Actually, I wasn't due to preach today. I was due to preach in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but through circumstances, just a change in, in scheduling, Matt asked me to preach. But backstory was, last week I was fortunate to preach up at a church in Maritzburg, and Rowena wasn't able to join me. So I phoned Paul. I said, Paul, please come with me. And we went up and I prayed there and uh, preached there. And then Matt asked me to speak today. So I phoned Paul, and I said, Paul, clearly God loved my preach so much. He wants me to do it twice in a row. Paul said, said to me, Gavin, I was so bad. He must give you a second chance. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's see how this goes. Okay, so... Um, I can't promise I'm not going to cry here. So if I do, it's the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's just run with that one. Um, so the sermon is, is called Calling Things That Are Not As Though They Are, Surviving the Crushing. Calling Things That Are Not As Though They Are, Surviving the Crushing. Okay, and there's a bit of a personal testimony of kind of what I've been through over the last, I would say, year, which has probably been the darkest season of my soul, if, if, if I'm honest. Um, caveat, my marriage is good, my kids are good, family's all good, all that stuff is good. This has been really a journey of when you, when you start going through things that you'd never imagined possible. Now, I've been a Christian for many years. Uh, I've served the Lord faithfully. Uh, I'm an elder, I come to church sometimes twice on Sundays, I preach, I lead life group, I do everything right, I tick all the boxes. But still what happens, I'm like, I'm, I'm the candidate for God's favor, <laughs> I need to avoid all of that stuff. What happens is you go through these seasons in life where there's a crushing. And I heard this described very well once. There's kind of, you can probably look back at your life and pinpoint three seasons. There's a David season where you overcome Goliath, where you've got to slay the Goliath. There's a Joseph season where you're thrown in prison, where you kind of, let's call it, you're overlooked, you lose everything, you're unseen. And there's a Judas season where you're betrayed by those closest to you. And all of us, if you kind of look back at your life, and you may not have gone through all three, but you can probably highlight sort of those, those sorts of times. And this for me has been a, a, a real Joseph season of career opportunities that I had faithfully prayed into and stepped into went completely the other way. Stuff that I'd prayed on and fasted on. Business opportunities, I'm like, Lord, are you in this? And I feel this in this, and I seek counsel, and that stuff has gone south. I'm like, seriously? Like, I have wrestled in this space, and I've been trusting God for a whole bunch of stuff, and stuff just hasn't worked out for, for a whole bunch of reasons. So what ends up happening is you kind of go through this valley, and just a, a spoiler alert here, this isn't how I'm going to finish the sermon and just tell you amazingly how everything works out. This is that I'm in the Psalm 23, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm in that valley of the shadow of death. Uh, but God has been speaking in such a powerful way over this time, that that without this, let's call it the season of crushing, it's not always possible to fully understand exactly the true nature of God. Okay, so that's the, that's, that's the, the, the backstory to this. So I'm going to start off, and so the scripture that God gives me to speak on is, in my mind, probably one of the hardest to speak on. It's Mark 11, 22 to 24. It says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, what will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let's be honest, who's prayed that and felt deeply disappointed? 
and it's just such a it's such a hard scripture. Um, but anyway, this is this is what I'm going to get to speak on. So I'm going to start off in Genesis. I'm not. We're going to go pretty much through the whole of Genesis, but I'm not going to go through every scripture. So you will notice a pattern in verse three. And God said, and God saw, and it was good. In verse six, and God said, and it was so. Verse nine, and God said, and it was so, and it was good. Verse 11, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. Verse 20, and God said, and God saw that it was good. Verse 24, and God said, and it was so, God saw that it was good. You notice a pattern there. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, when God spoke, it was. Even if you couldn't see it, once God speaks, it is. There's a pattern set in Genesis chapter 1 that underpins the entire Bible. And it's set in the first chapter. God speaks, and it was so, and it's as good. Let's jump to the story of Abraham. Abraham is 75 years old. 75 years old and God says to him, you're the father of many nations. He doesn't have any children. 75 and his wife is past childbearing age. For the next 24 years, Abraham, and I, I know if you look in, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham being this, this father of faith. But the reality is for those 24 years, Abraham was not filled with faith. He doubted. He tried to make a plan with Hagar and Ishmael. He wasn't this really kind of faithful guy. But God spoke when he was 75 and said, you are the father of nations. Now, when he's 99, God changes his name to Abraham, puts the H in. So it goes from Abraham to Abraham. Um, best way I can describe it is Leon. I'm going to pick you. Imagine Leon never had kids. Leon comes to church, never had kids. Leon, Leon, Leon. Leon's now 70. He comes to church and goes, no, don't call me Leon. Call me the father of nations. But like, Leon, you don't have kids. You don't have kids. Like, like what are you talking about? That's the type of thing that Abraham now steps into. He begins to declare a name that God has given him that seems impossible. Don't call me Abraham, call me Abraham. Call me father of nations, but strange. You aren't exactly the father of nations. One year later, Isaac is born. And what's the principle? When you begin to speak, and declare God's promises that have, you have not yet seen, to, seen, it causes it to come to pass. When God speaks, it is good. And then God saw. We are called to declare the promises of God, even though we do not see them. Why? Because he's promised them. Go back to Genesis, verse 11. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought, brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which, their seed, in which is their seed, each according to its own. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. Notice something. In verse 11, God says, Let the earth sprout vegetation yielding seed, yada, yada, yada. And it was so. Only in verse 12 
the earth brought forth vegetation. How is it possible that it was so, but you couldn't see it? The reason it was so is because God had spoken it. See, even though you couldn't see it, he says the grass will grow. Even though you cannot see it, God has declared it, then it comes to pass. The minute God said something, it is so, even if you can't see it. Just because you can't see it doesn't negate the truth of what God has declared. What happens when a woman is carrying a child, especially in the first trimester? You cannot see that she is pregnant. But what happens is she begins to tell her husband, tell her friends, tell her family, I'm pregnant. I'm carrying a child. I will be a mom. She begins to declare what is going to happen even though you cannot see it. She causes it to come to pass. The words that you declare have power. God's promises have power. We are called to declare God's promises. You see, the, the, the power of God's promises are actually contained in the words that are spoken. The words are declared in the Bible. Pick it up. God's promises are there. The power is actually contained in the words. If we look at the Old Testament... The Old Testament is about journeying to the promised land. The Israelites are released out of Egypt. They're released out of captivity. And the whole of, pretty much all of the, of the, of the Old, Old Testament is about the Israelites journeying to the land that God has promised them. And they have to contend for the land. This is what God has promised you. They need to go and fight the giants. They need to go and cut down the trees. They need to, they need to battle to step into the promised land that God has promised them. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? The biggest, not the biggest, well not the only, but one of the biggest differences is this. In the Old Testament, they were contending for the promised land. In the New Testament, we live in a land of promises. We are contending for the promise. We are already in the promised land. We are contending for the promises of God. And it's a fundamental difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So that, so. Is it South Africa or New Zealand or America? <laughs> you're in the place where you're called to contend for the promises of the land that you're in. Make sense? Now, in the, in the Western culture, there, there's the stigma around prosperity gospel. We have this thing around... Are you, Name it and claim it, whatever you want, you can just ask God and it will be yours. I want prosperity and wealth. And, and we've got this stigma against, because there's been such a negativity, and I, and I do understand it, there's been such a, a negative image around the prosperity gospel that we begin to discount it. I can say I'm 100% behind the prosperity gospel, but not in the way that it's presented. The prosperity gospel really is about the prosperity that God has declared over us and we are called to claim the prosperity that he has declared over us don't confuse prosperity and Ferraris they're, they're two different things okay but there's prosperity that God has declared over us that we are called to claim so part of the reason why this has just been such a, a, a dark season of the, of, of the soul um, it's been there's a time of, a, let's call it an attack of the enemy, 
and there's a time of refining. You need to work out which is which. But part of it has been God saying to me, Gavin, part of the reason you're in that challenge is you. Now, when you're really feeling crushed, it's like a kick in the proverbials. When you start thinking, well, it's possible that I'm in part a contributor to this challenging season. And God began to show me how I've contributed to it. And the best way I can describe it is because I have doubted in the character of God. And this is probably my sermon. Once I've said this line, you can probably pack up shop and go. But the way I can describe it is like this. It's Christmas time. All of you have received gifts at Christmas, right? But who sits there going, oh Lord, if it is your will, would you open the gift so that I can use it? You don't. The gift is given to you. You step in, you open it, and you enjoy that present. Oh Lord, why haven't you blessed me? Would you just unwrap this present? God says to you, go and unwrap the present. I've given it to you. And so I start to have this revelation of, hang on a second, I've started to doubt on the character and the goodness of God. In his promises. And when God has given me everything that I need, God's saying, my son is there. I want you to step in and take hold of what I promised. And this is the hard part. You kind of go, like, sought counsel and spoken counsel. Guys, I'm really struggling with this. And you know, guys just go, don't worry, God's got this. I'm like, that is just so not helpful. God's got this. Don't worry, he's just going to step in. It's like, no, he's not. I know he's not. I know he's not just going to step in and rescue me. I don't know that. And I'm not going to have this like off pat. God's just going to step in and say, it's going to be amazing. What God began to show me was like, my son, I'm not going to dig you out of this pit because I've shown you how to get out of it. And now you start going, oh, flip. so I've actually now got to start taking responsibility for getting that. I, I just don't have the strength for this. Like, I, I'm so strong enough. I know that you're God, that you can do everything, but I'm me, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I just don't have it. And God starts to say, no, you do, and I'm going to show you. And he begins to give you the strength to get out of the hole that you're in, to claim the promises that he has given you. But that responsibility is also on me. Am I making sense here? So now we go back to Mark 11, verse 22 to 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask and pray, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So number one, you have to know God's promises. You know what they say? Clean Bible, dirty Christian, dirty Bible, clean Christian. <laughs> there have been times and I've been like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I'm just waking up and I'm, I'm filled with anxiety and dread and fear. And so what I do is I, I've got a set of headphones, I just lie in bed and I, and I sink it up and I put it on it and I'm lying there and I'm listening to sermon after sermon after sermon. It's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, get up kids off to school, driving to work, listening to sermons, just when I'm going to get to work, when I'm driving home. I'm talking six, seven hours a day of just listening to stuff because I'm like, Lord, not because I'm so good, not because I'm setting the example, because I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm desperate. Like, I'm proper. I'm like, Lord, I'm broken here. And, and the more you begin to do that, the more God just begins to speak to you and he begins to show you his promises. And then I begin to start having the confidence of, okay, Lord, so these are your promises. This is what you have said about me. And once I begin to know what God's promises are, 
I then begin to say, now I know what your promises are, I can start beginning to have faith for them. God, like, I don't think you promised me a Ferrari. No, no, he hasn't, okay. Now God might, don't get me wrong, God might promise you a Ferrari and that's great and be confident in it. But once you dive into the word and you really begin to press in and begin to ask God his promises, he begins to show you what are some of the promises that, that, are, that are there. He will cause me to prosper. These diseases shall not come near me. He tells me to not be afraid. He causes my barns to be overflowing. He has a hope and a future for me. He supplies all of my needs in Christ Jesus. He makes my steps firm because I trust him. When my hope is in him, he renews my strength. You struggled with sickness. But these diseases shall not come near me. Just because we don't necessarily understand why things have happened does not negate the goodness of God's character. Just because your circumstances don't seem to line up necessarily with your understanding of how things should be does not negate the promises of God. Okay? But we have to know God's promises. And we have to begin to declare God's promises. For I know the plans that you have for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. What begins to happen is God has his promises laid out for you. And we know that they are there because they are in the Bible. The way of life winds upwards for the righteous. That's a promise. If that is true, it is going to happen. Why? Not because I see it, not because I think it, but because God has said it. And when I begin to partner with that word, I know it might not be tomorrow, it might be in a month's time, it might be in three years' time, it might be in five years' time, but my life is going to wind up, just wind upward. Why? Because I'm righteous and because God has said it. And I can partner with that word and I know that it's true. You have to believe it. And that's tough. You have to begin to believe, despite what I feel, despite what I think, I know and I choose to believe that you are a God who fulfills what you say. So when you say, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, because you've said it, I therefore know it to be true despite what I see in my own circumstance now. So despite what I'm feeling, I'm going to choose to believe you. And the more you begin to choose to believe the promise, despite how you feel, the more you empower that promise to come to pass. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not be immediate. But faith that takes time builds character. And I know that I can trust in the goodness of God. You have to say God's promises. You have to declare it. Verbally declare it. Let's go back to Genesis. God said and he saw and it was good. God said and he saw and it was good. If God said it, I must say, Jesus spoke to the storm. He spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to the problems. He addressed the issues. We are called to address the issues. If you're battling financially, Lord, you've caused my bonds to overflowing. Therefore, debt and poverty, you are not part of God's calling in my life. I declare you gone. I declare I trust in the Lord's promises. And you speak to the promise and you declare it and you declare God's goodness over the mountain that you face. You might not have a job. Lord, I know that you've called me to be prosperous, to contribute. Therefore, I'm standing today claiming 
what you've caused to come to pass. I, I love this story, and I didn't share it in the first service. I remember living in London. It was before Ruin and I were, were, were married, and she, was, she didn't have work. The one morning she woke up, and she just got dressed. I think she had 20 pounds in her bank account, I think, something like that. 20 pounds, that's all she had. She woke up in the morning, she could, just got dressed going, I know that God is going to provide. 7 o'clock in the morning, she gets a phone call from the agent saying, hey, listen, I've got this job, can you come through? She stood in faith, knowing that God was going to provide, even though she couldn't see it and didn't feel it, and God stepped in and provided. You are called to believe and not doubt. Oh man, this is tough. Is it going to be sunny or windy tomorrow? Don't know. That's doubt. Is it going to be sunny? Don't know. God, I know that you've caused me to prosper, but I'm not sure if it's true. That's doubt. When you doubt in your heart, there's doubt. You can doubt in your head. Lord, I know and I fully believe that you are who you say you are. And I know in my heart, even though I can't see it, I know you to be true. I'm doubting it might not happen tomorrow, but I know in my heart that it will come to pass. That's faith. It is possible for faith and doubt to coexist. Just don't let that doubt sit in your heart. Okay? What does that look like? Let me give you two sentences. Faith in the Lord comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Man, I, I, like, man this is hard. Like, how does hearing come by the word? Like, hey, you've got to hear it spoken. The more you hear the word, the more you read the word, the more you dwell in the word, your heart begins to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. That statement is true. This statement is equally true. Faith in the devil comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the devil. It is equally true. It is equally true. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to give you two sentences. One, I'm excited by the future and what God has in store for me because his promises are yes and amen. Statement one. Statement two, I'm finding life really tough right now. I need God to rescue me out of this situation. Which one of those comes more naturally to you? Chances are I'm going to say the second. Man, life's tough right now. I'm just really, I'm battling. What happens is when you begin to partner with those thoughts and those words, you begin to empower the lives of the enemy. So I come back to my situation. Part of the reason I'm like, I mean, challenged because God has been given, because you've also chosen to partner with the things that the enemy has spoken over you. And you know what is one of the, one of the most commonly heard voices in my life is mine. In fact, it is the most commonly, commonly heard voice in my life is me. It's the things that I say, it's the thoughts that I think over me. And when I go, Lord, I'm fearful and I'm anxious and I doubt and I begin to partner with the fear and the doubt and it starts to come to pass and then I wonder why. But hang on, Lord, like, but he's like, but you have chosen to empower the lies the enemy has spoken over you. My son, here's your Christmas wrapping. Are you going to open that gift and choose my words and trust me and partner with that? Because that's what I've called you to. And so that starts weighing quite heavy. And I go back to him saying, Lord, I don't feel like I've got the strength to do it. And he says, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'll get you there. This isn't a passive ride. I think so often we play the victims. Oh, Lord, why did this happen to me? <laughs> or we go, don't worry, God's got this. He's just sovereign. Everything happens in his will. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. 
And look, your theology on this might be a little bit different to me. That, 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 that's fine. But I felt like the picture God gave me was you're driving the car and he's guiding you. And I can fully take that steering wheel and push it into the ditch. I've got full reign. I can do that. But when I begin to listen to his voice, he guides me as how I'm driving that car. And the hardest thing is beginning to, I'm going to choose to listen to his direction and not steer myself into the ditch because I can feel I'm in control. I've got it. But actually, Lord, I'm going to begin to choose you and trust you. I've also got a role to play in trusting what God has said and his promises coming to pass. Can I ask you to stand? Close your eyes. Just if you're in a hole right now, God is not a God of condemnation. He doesn't condemn you. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God is a good and faithful God. But where you are struggling, where you are, where you partnered with the lies of the enemy, say, Father, would you bring revelation into those situations? Where we have not trusted you, Father, forgive us and give us the strength and the courage, because it takes courage. Give us the courage to believe in the goodness of who you are that we might see your promises filled in the land of the living. And I had a picture before this morning when I was praying, and it was like this fire that just swept through our church. It's one of those raging forest fires that just destroys everything in its path. And the picture that I got with that fire is sometimes we are in the dark place because actually it is the refiner's fire, it is not because you yourself have done anything wrong. Sometimes what happens is God just takes us into that place of refining where that fire burns, that fire burns away the things that are not of him to leave us pure and refined and in his image because that is what he has called you to. Father, where that pressing is actually your refining fire, would you give us the strength to know and to trust you, and to know that you are molding us into your image. We thank you that you are a good God, and we choose to trust in your good character. And I pray for breakthrough for people here who need breakthrough. I thank you that the breakthrough is coming. I thank you for partnership with you and for trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please do stay for tea and coffee. And if you do need to come up for prayer, please do.